Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Divisional Series. I am your temporary honorary host, Kent Wyrock, uh, joining my friends Matt Okada, Matthew Betts once again. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Much better than our last podcast because uh, I have finally recovered from the Andrew Luck news and uh, can figure out what day it is again. It is Wednesday as of this recording. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> okay, then, there you go. I'm I'm back on schedule. <laughs> Kent, did you listen to the last episode, the top ten wide receiver rankings? I did not. I've been meaning to. I've just been busy at work this week, and usually I can like throw on a podcast while I'm working. But the stuff I was doing, I had to like talk to people, and people, uh, you know, you, they don't like it when you listen to podcasts while you're talking to them. So <laughs> uh, I, I I haven't been able to. Yeah, the intro was quite sad. I tried to bring the the fire and energy that you always bring when you introduce the show, but we talked about Andrew Luck. I just couldn't. So thank goodness you're back to bring us back up this week um, because well, it was quite sad. Yeah. I was going to say, to be fair, that's really sad news, and so it's understandable. Um, I know you guys already talked about it, but real quick, how unbelievably out of nowhere. that I mean, it just no one saw that coming nope. and i just i thought that was incredible so we don't have to go into depth on that but uh i was i was shocked absolutely shocked on that uh by the way do we have to record uh uh re-record or no actually yeah we do we have to re-record that episode oh no no, no. well that's fine instead we're going to be talking about the afc west is that correct i believe we're on the west now we're going alphabetically we are on the west you know, we could have gone Finishing like I guess clockwise or yeah, like around the compass. Yeah, maybe there was something like that, but we chose alphabetically. It's all all good, all the same. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some injury news. So I'm going to talk about a couple things real quick and then hand it off over to Betts. Uh, give us a quick update. Uh, first things first, we got Kenyon Drake has an update. He was wearing a walking boot not too long ago. I believe that has come off now. Deshaun Jackson has a finger injury. Jarek McKinnon, unfortunately, had a knee flare up. It sounds like Shanahan was not so thrilled about that. And then Robbie Anderson has a calf strain. So, Betts, I'll just kick this over to you. Uh, let us know how you're feeling about these injuries. Yeah, we can be quick with the the first couple. Kenyon Drake, uh, like you said, had a foot sprain, was in a walking boot a few weeks ago, just returned to practice um, as of this episode coming out about three days ago. And now it's progressing well, so he's on track to at least be ready within the first few weeks of the season. Hard to say exactly when it's going to be. We'll just have to monitor kind of what he's doing in practice. I will say, just careful to our listeners, you know, he is probably going to start the season slow, coming off that off that foot sprain for sure. Uh, Deshaun Jackson dealing with a fracture in his left ring finger uh, happened at practice the other day. Seeing a specialist to kind of determine what the plan of care is going to be. If there's no displaced fracture, meaning out of alignment, it's basically a pain tolerance issue. And so that sounds like what it is. Um, he could be out there for week one and, and play, um, but he may drop a ball here or there if obviously it's it's sore and, and painful to play through. So he should be out there, but maybe temper expectations for the first couple of games. Jarek McKinnon, this is where things take a turn for the worst. Oh, it is not good. Yeah. It is not good. Jarek McKinnon now having his second setback this training camp or preseason trying to come back from the ACL from last year. And this is after the platelet rich plasma injection into the knee. Uh, yeah. You said, you know, the, the coaching staff in front office seem frustrated. I'm sure they are. I mean, they spent so much money on this guy last year. I don't see a scenario where he isn't on IR and, or gets an, an injury settlement and then is released. So yeah, Jerick McKinnon is going to be fantasy irrelevant this year, despite what Okada and I were hoping for. Uh, as far mm -hmm. as his season. And then lastly, Robbie Anderson, calf strain. The team is saying it's mild, but let's just watch that because obviously we know the, the re-injury risk is high in the first two weeks back on the field. So let's see what happens here with Robbie Anderson, but I wouldn't expect it to be a long-term issue. Yeah, the biggest one I think for me, mostly because I just wanted him to, to continue to be good, is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, a former Vikings player, he had an opportunity to walk into the Shanahan offense and be really, really solid and just... 
I don't think he's ever going to have the opportunity now that they have Tevin Coleman. I, I thought if McKinnon could get healthy that he had a chance to take back over this backfield, but uh, those hopes, I think, ultimately have been dashed uh, entirely at this point. So it's unfortunate. But with that being said, uh, we can go ahead and move on over to our divisional preview. We only have two more. So this one's going to be the AFC West. And then we'll follow this up with the NFC West on the last episode of the divisional series. So make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. But today, uh, first we're going to talk about, as we've been always doing, going in order from last place last season to first place last season. So up first for the AFC West, we're going to be talking about the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders even. Look, they've got Antonio Brown dealing with his helmet stuff. They drafted uh, Jacobs, the running back. They got Carr and Gruden kind of maybe working together. Um, there's a lot of new stuff going on with with the, the Raiders here. They have a new GM. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. So Let's talk about them real quick. Derek Carr, first of all, where do you have him ranked right now? Let's start with that. Where do you have him ranked? Because I could see him being maybe like a middle QB2 with an opportunity to sneak his way into the bottom of the QB1 territory. I've got him right now at QB24. What about you, Okada? Oh, I have him at QB27. Oh, pretty low even. Yeah. And um, uh, like I could in my mind if you asked me to pick a number, I probably would have picked something like 20 off the top of my head, but when I look at the names that are in between 20 and 27, I'm like, "Yep, yep, 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 yep. I'll take all those guys slightly ahead of him." That's a good point. We I mean, we talked about that a lot uh back when I was on the show that that second, well, maybe not second tier, but like that second group of quarterbacks is is ginormous. So there's really no reason to to reach for a guy like Derek Carr, who's probably not going to do anything too crazy, but could could have an opportunity for like summer reliable weeks, super flex type of pickup. Um, you guys have them both gauged around four thousand yards and then twenty three touchdowns and maybe double digit interceptions. Is there is there maybe any kind of chance that Antonio Brown, if he does play, by the way, let's just assume Antonio Brown plays, is there a chance that he really elevates Carr with him? There's a chance, but it it's dwindling because of how little work these guys are getting together. Um, we saw Antonio and Big Ben have a crazy kind of chemistry where no matter what was happening to Big Ben in the pocket, he knew at some point, 10 seconds later, he could see Antonio Brown and he would be open. And it worked for them. Derek Carr does not typically hold the ball like that. He's... I'd, I want to say skittish, uh, but really he just gets the ball out quick, very short usually for the most part. Um, certainly he did last year in Gruden's offense for the first season. So the chemistry that it would take for this duo to really be good, it's not building right now because AB's not out there in practice in the preseason, uh, etc. So... If, if we had had a whole season of AB, I could almost guarantee Carr would be higher in my rankings. But right now, with the way things are going, I'm going to have to see it first between these two guys to really believe. Yeah, and to your point there, Okada, just one quick stat. Last season, Derek Carr, 3.8 air yards per attempt, 22nd in the league. Wow. Uh, so he might as well just throw it underhand uh, because he's literally <laughs> not pushing the ball downfield. I mean, it just limits the upside of all the offensive pieces in the passing game for sure, and obviously for Derek Carr himself. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he needs Antonio Brown to elevate him. And I think, obviously, if there's one player that can do it, it is Antonio Brown. But like Okada said, I also am concerned. I mean, the two just aren't working together, and it's a new system. It's a, a new um, you know, partnership there with he and, and, Car and Carr. So, yeah, I mean, the two of those guys definitely – are lower than they would be if they were in different situations. Yeah, so I guess oh, let's talk about Antonio Brown's prospects this year then because, again, I, I think we're assuming he plays all 16 games if healthy. So we'll just go from there. Um, you guys have him about 1,100 yards and eight, eight or nine touchdowns. That's considerably lower than what he's used to having. Uh do you think that counts as like a disappointing season for him? Or is that just what he's going to be in this offense? Is that is that the connection between him and Ben uh, being lost? Or, or what what is it? Yeah, it's a little of both of those things, I think, for me. it's He's a year older, 31 now. 
he's leaving a system he's been playing in for his entire career in a quarterback that, like I just said, whatever their off-the-field chemistry was or wasn't, their on-the-field chemistry was extremely good and probably will be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And moving to a system with an old-style coach, a much less competent quarterback, at least I think in the way that A.B. will benefit most, which is down the field, uh, and on these like long runaround route type things. And I have him at 1178 and 9. 1178 is like 100, 120 yards fewer than he's had two of the last three seasons. So that's not too big of a drop off. Nine touchdowns is what he had two years ago. Obviously, he had 15 last year, so that was extremely productive. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, there's too many factors that point to a dip for me. Uh, so I have him dropping. And, and I, do you think that will be disappointing for AB for sure? Yeah, I think you know people drafting him, wanting him to be what he's been, you know, for the last six, seven years, which is the wide receiver one that everyone drafts in fantasy. Obviously, are going to be very disappointed. You know, Okada, you mentioned the touchdowns. I have him at eight. Going back to 2014, um, he hasn't had less than nine, and and every other season was 10, 12, 13, 15 touchdowns. So. That's really where I see Antonio Brown losing value. I think he'll still have some receptions that are going to be um, very, very good. I think he's going to have yardage that's still very good. Again, over 1,100 yards for both of us. But really, the touchdown upside isn't going to be there with the downgrade at quarterback and with the downgrade in the offense in general. Now, really quickly, I will say that literally as you were talking, Sleeper notified me that John Gruden said today that he wants Derek Carr to throw the ball more deep. Mm. So, I don't know. Maybe they're okay. going to try. Okay. Well, He's not moving uh, in my rankings in case that was going to be the well, follow-up. All right. So, speaking of throwing it deep, let's talk about uh, Tyrell Williams here, who I think is a pretty positive influence on this team over the receiving core last year, uh, outside of Antonio Brown, obviously. But... Do you think if they do try and play deep or or maybe if Antonio Brown does decide to not play or even if he does play, is Tyrell a pretty cheap option right now in drafts that you want to go after him? For me, definitely. I mean, we've talked about it. I know we talked about it with Heath Cummings a while ago and we talked about it uh, a few episodes ago as well with some sleeper picks. He's a great value this year for me in fantasy drafts. Um, last time I looked, I think he was going in like round 13 or so. And at that point, I mean, you're taking upside anyway. Tyrell Williams is a guy who consistently is over 15 yards per reception. He gets the ball downfield and, you know, explodes for big plays. To your, your question, Kent, you know, you mentioned, can he really be a one if Antonio Brown isn't there? I don't think so. So this is a situation where I actually would prefer Brown to be on the field to offset Tyra Williams, beat guys in one-on-one coverage. So if Brown's not there, I really don't want to start Williams. I think in a deeper league, if Brown's there, I would definitely have Tyra Williams as my you know flex or you know backup type of player to fill in on bye weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. We did see one year of Tyra Williams as the quote-unquote one when Keenan Allen went down with, uh, for the Chargers. I think the, still the San Diego Chargers at that point. And he had a decent fantasy year. I want to say he was top 15 in most formats. So... I think that he he has the potential to be good either way. Obviously, more efficient, but fewer targets with AB on the field. More targets, less efficient with AB off the field. Right now, I have him ranked at right right at the start of the forties between Marvin Jones and Michael Gallup, which I feel like is pretty much where he belongs. Um, but he's certainly a guy that I'm willing to target at the value he's going, which is much later than that. Yeah, he was in the thirteenth round, and then as as this news of Antonio Brown started to pick up he he went up probably about two rounds or so he's in the 11th right now on fantasy football calculator um still value there though I, I don't think that cost is you know very much at all and so it's pretty low risk and I think there's a decent amount of reward there um I I, I just don't think there's any other wide receivers that are valuable do, do you agree or disagree not really no Hunter Renfro is kind of mildly interesting in a PPR league if AB doesn't play, Renfro could end up seeing, I don't know, 90-plus targets potentially. He's looked good uh, in preseason and camp and on hard knocks if you watch it. Oh, yeah. Uh, his singing, not so much, but his, 
On the field play, yes. Uh, good rookie coming out of Clemson. So that that's a little bit interesting. Maybe more of a dynasty dart than anything else. But other than that, it's yucky. All right. Well, maybe we can talk real quick about the tight end. Darren Waller, He's he's gotten some... I don't want to say like hype, but some people have definitely been calling him like a sleeper tight end for this season. Uh, you know, everyone saw what happened with Jared Cook last year, but we've already talked about how the wide receivers were not not so pretty last year. And so that probably led to Jared Cook getting just peppered with targets. And we talked about that low uh, average depth of target for Derek Carr as well. Played right, right into the hands of Jared Cook. Um, is there is there, is there any chance so that that translates to Darren Waller this year, that he could have that similar kind of role? I think, I mean, you know, we just talked about that news alert that Gruden's going to try to get Carr to push the ball downfield. It's one of those things that, you know, coaches want players to do a certain thing, but if they have a certain tendency, it's it's kind of hard to get out of that pattern. So if Carr doesn't show that confidence to stay in the pocket, take a hit and deliver the ball downfield, then yeah, I think Darren Waller could definitely benefit from that low average up the target that Carr tends to have. Um, one thing, you know, I think that has provided value from hard knocks is actually just listening to the other players on the team. When people ask them, you know, who's been standing out in camp, who's making plays, they always say his name. So yeah, definitely keep him on your radar. I don't project him for a huge season by any means, but I'm not going to be surprised if at some point this season, we're talking about him on the waiver wire and, you know, a streaming option at the tight end position. The guy's got athleticism. He can go up and get the ball. But, you know, when he was in Baltimore a few years ago, dealt with like drug abuse issues and was really in a dark place. But good for him to kind of come out of that. And hopefully he can really make a name for himself here in the NFL. I will say, not to bash on anyone's, you know, personal life, but for all the Josh Gordon haters who run around saying that he hasn't had a productive season since 2013 or whatever it was, Darren Wallers was drafted in 2015. He's never played more than 12 games, which is in 2016, and he's never had more than 10 catches in a season. And it's mostly because of what Betts just mentioned with the substance problem. So I don't want to rely on this guy for as my starting tight end. If I'm in a league with a decent bench and I drafted a solid tight end one that I just want a little bit of insurance... Maybe I take a shot, but I'm a, I'm kind of trying to ignore the hype a little bit, which is there, and it does exist. And I think that's even a fair word for it, Ken. You weren't sure if it was the right one at the beginning, but he's been getting a lot of noise in camp. So this looks like the talent is there, but I'm not ready to commit for fantasy. Fair enough. Um, okay, real quick, let's talk about Josh Jacobs, probably the only fantasy-relevant running back in this backfield, especially now that Doug Martin has been cut. Uh, due to health reasons. So, Josh Jacobs, you guys have him looking like, well, less less than 1,000 yards, about 900 rushing yards, a uh, handful of rushing touchdowns, and then some decent passing work. I'm seeing even, uh, looks like 55 receptions for Okada. So, that's, that's a pretty good season as far as a PPR running back could go. Uh, what do you see as his ceiling and his floor? I definitely see a ceiling of RB1 production. Um, not the RB1, but an RB1, top 12. Um, in fact, with the Martin uh, cut, I moved Jacobs up, adjusted some projections, and moved Jacobs up. Right now, he's my RB18 between Carrion Johnson and Marlon Mack. So that's not even that far from an RB1 already. I certainly think that could be a ceiling, and that's really, I think, mostly depends on this offense. AB being there, the, the connections being made between Derek and him, and John Gruden remembering how to coach football productively and the whole team doing well. Because if that happens, then that's obviously all good for Jacobs, more touchdowns, more carries in leading situations, etc. But from what we saw last year, this team was trash. So that definitely limits his floor or lowers his floor as well. If AB's not there and the offense isn't running well and there's no one to throw to because Tyrell's not that great as a one now, and teams can stack the boxes against Jacobs, he could easily fall out of RB2, maybe even to late RB th or low, like low RB3 territory for me. So it's a pretty w w wide range of outcomes. Yeah, when you said, you know, RB1 production is in the realm of possibility, the first number that came to mind in terms of like ranking was like RB10. So I think that's about his ceiling, which obviously would be yep. fantastic. His floor for me is like RB12, 
28 to 30, somewhere in there. He's going to have enough yeah. volume to keep him fantasy relevant all season long. I mean, the team is talking about wanting to try to get him to compete for rookie of the year. You know, and, and of course, that could be coach speak, but certainly the depth chart, as you mentioned, Kent, without Doug Martin, it's pretty much him and Jalen Richard as the primary pieces there in the backfield. And for me, what really holds Jacobs back from even being higher in my rankings is just that Richard is a very, very good pass catching running back, and I don't think that changes a lot. So that really, I think, does limit his upside a little bit more. You know, when you look at RB1s in the NFL and for fantasy, looking at the top 10, there's not really a name in the list that doesn't catch the football. Sure, Jacobs will get his, but I don't think he'll get it to the degree of someone else like a Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley, for example. So, yeah, he's a solid RB2 this year. Volume will be there. Like Okada said, it's just a matter of if the offense can really support him. Okay, yes or no question here. Are you drafting him at his price of 306? Who are the running backs going on either side of him? Chris Carson above, David Montgomery below. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a no for me. That that's is a no tough. for me. That's a no for me. See, when you but, put it like uh, that. That's my, that's my only concern. When you put it like that, yeah. Kent, it just sounds gross. But it, I found you know, myself it's funny. with Jacobs in a lot of leagues. I have him two spots behind Carson, but like five spots ahead of Montgomery. So I probably would be okay there. Maybe. It would be a toss-up. Interesting. Okay. Depends on what right. my draft is, and if AB has showed up. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and move on over to the Denver Broncos. Uh, actually, I didn't even say last year's uh, record for the Oakland Raiders. They were four and twelve, by the way, last Not year. That's good. So pretty rough. Uh, they might improve on that, but we'll, that remains to be seen. Uh, up next, Denver Broncos last year six and ten. Uh, they had the emergence of Philip Lindsay. They had well Case Keenum throwing the football, and we saw how that went. And now. Now they have Joe Flacco and maybe Drew Locke. Probably not, though. He didn't look very good in preseason. Um, so it's probably going to be Flacco most of the year. So let's start with him. First of all, not fantasy relevant, right? Nope. Not even a bit. Yeah, you guys have him. Ooh, Okada under 3,000 yards. I mean, that's might be I, fair. I do that might have be a little harsh. Game. Yeah, I do have four games going to Drew Locke right now. Oh, you do? Oh, which okay, that makes sense. I believe, then. does he have like a fractured hand or thumb or something, Bets? He does have an you injury. Know? I'm not exactly sure right now what it is. I can look it up before we're done talking about them and, and I'll update you. But yeah, he's dealing with an injury right now for sure. Yeah, I remember them talking about he may be on injured reserves to start the season. So, But that honestly doesn't change things much for me. As long as he comes back by the last four games, that's what I would have given to Locke in my projections. So they're not changing yet. But yeah, I, do, I don't I do have Flacco starting the whole season, mainly because I think this team's going to be awful, and eventually they'll just see what they have in Locke. But even if Locke was starting the whole season, no thank you. Out of QB2 range for sure. You know, actually, it's kind of peculiar with the Broncos right now because I, I agree. I think they are not going to be a very good team. But somehow their running backs are the fantasy relevant ones, and that's mm. pretty opposite of, of normal. Like, you, you want a better offense for, for running backs. Typically, you want them to be ahead in the game so they can run out the clock and stuff like that. So it's kind of peculiar that the two running backs, I think, are the, the two top drafted. Freeman might be behind, like, Sutton, but I'm not sure off the top of my head, but let, let's talk about them. Philip Lindsay, obviously last year had a huge breakout season. Uh, everyone thought it couldn't continue because let's, let's be frank here. He's tiny. I mean, mm. he's absolutely small except for his uh, Afro, but the rest is quite except small. Except for his Afro. Well, that adds on about 20 pounds. Yeah. So that helps him out. <laughs> he needs there. it. Yeah. But yeah, he really does. Um, you guys seem to be kind of lukewarm on him. Uh, looks like Royce Freeman. You expect to step into the fold a little bit. Uh, Bets, you have you have Royce Freeman for eight rushing touchdowns right now. I think that's that's, that's a pretty good look. I like it. I like Royce Freeman. Um, I could, I could talk about a few things in a second. I'll pull up some stats that I like about him. But uh, go ahead and tell me first of all who, I, you know, you, it looks like you both have Philip Lindsay ahead in points. But who would you rather draft at their cost right now? That's easy for me, especially the way I project this backfield. I think it really is going to be a thunder and lightning type of situation. I mean, you follow the beat reporters out there, and they're they're all talking about a 50-50 split and that it's no guarantee that last season predicts what happens this year. New coaching staff. So, you know, last season we have to talk about it and factor it into our projections and our rankings, but it's going to be different this season. And let's not forget, Royce Freeman was banged up last year with some injuries. And when he was in there, 
around the goal line, he got work. So I think it's it's a lot of Philip Lindsay in between the 20s, and I think it's a lot of Roy Stringman when they get down close because he's really built for that. Um, and I just think the two backs really do eat into each other. So if you're going to make me take one of them, give me the cheaper option, which right now is, is Roy Stringman. Yeah, I don't disagree there. I, I just had to go and check to really answer your question, Kent, because I thought it was close, and it is. I have Lindsey ranked at RB26. He's going as RB26. I have Freeman ranked as RB38. He's going as RB39. Okay. So I'm right on the mark with consensus. Technically, uh, I value Freeman one spot ahead of where he's going in the running back ranks. But honestly, for me, in half, so this is all in half PPR, it's a toss up. A flip a coin at their particular prices, which one I would rather have. If you go full PPR, though, Give me Lindsay, and if you go full standard or non-PPR, as it more properly is called now, probably give me Freeman at their prices. Yeah, so I was looking up these stats. This is from NextGen Stats on NFL.com. Last year, uh, this is percent of the time they rushed into an eight or more men in the box. Royce Freeman was at 36.2%, one of the highest in the league. In fact, if I remember off the top of my head, it's either second or third highest. And... Philip Lindsay only ran into eight plus fourteen percent of the time. Mm. Yeah. So there was a huge disparity between the kind of fronts they were running into. I mean, everyone wants to look at their yards per carry and see that Freeman or excuse me, Lindsay outperformed Freeman, but really I don't think that tells the whole story. And I do think that Freeman is is really talented. I, I think his evaded tackles numbers are really good as well. He's a talented running back, and like you guys said, the cheaper option here is the better one because it's it's gonna be fire and lightning, at least more so than last year. And and, and one more point, uh, Philip Lindsay had nine rushing touchdowns last year. I would I would hard smash an under bet if you gave me that prop bet for this season. Hard same, smash. Yeah. Same. I would also hard smash the under on his yards per carry if it's anywhere close to what it was last year, because unless he's Jamal Charles, he's not topping five again. I still have him at 4.8, which is very good, but it's not going to be as high as it was last year. Yeah, and one last thing before we move on from the running backs. You know, we, we can't forget Theoretic is there. He's dealing with that fracture in his shoulder, but he'll be back and healthy for, you know, two-thirds of the season. So early in the year, you know, Okada, you mentioned Lindsay is your preference here in any PPR format. I... I just see a scenario where like all three of those guys get used and basically at some point the receiving upside is just lost with all of those guys with Riddick there. So it's just a backfield I really don't feel confident in investing to be a starter in my lineup, especially for Lindsay. Yeah. Um I don't think Theo Riddick does like takes too much work, honestly. I really don't. I mean he's kind of faded out the last couple seasons since carry on's been there, but that that's another uh, uh, conversation to, to be had. So um, let, let's talk about the wide receivers here. And actually, I have to stand corrected here. Uh, Cortland Sutton is not the first wide receiver off the board anymore. It is now Emmanuel Ooh. Sanders for the Denver Broncos. He is going in the eighth round now, and that is that has come up a, a lot uh, since his injury, obviously, over the, the offseason. Everyone's been kind of like, you know, not not really picking him up at all, and I know Betts, you're you're pretty anti Achilles, but uh, he's risen a lot recently. Do do you believe there's any chance that he's recovered to a point where he can produce? Not right now. I mean, I watched the game tape from his most recent preseason game, and that's when everyone got so hyped about him. And he does look like he belongs on an NFL field, so I'm not saying that. You can just tell he's still compensating, so it's definitely encouraging. He's ahead of schedule of where he probably should be so by no means am I down on him or saying like don't ever draft him but temper expectations I think it's still going to be a slow first four to six weeks for Sanders but as he gets more reps on the field more game action I do think second half of the year Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a sneaky sneaky trade target if he disappoints owners in the first month I wouldn't be discouraged by that I would go out and trade for him because he's really he really is an outlier when it comes to his performance so far. So it's encouraging, but I think the first month is still going to be pretty slow. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, pretty much Sanders and Sutton are the only two being drafted in, in you know, on fantasy football calculator, your redraft leagues. Uh, is there any interest in Sutton or maybe Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick? There's a couple of guys here that could emerge really. Uh, if Hamilton's going that late, which I'm not sure, where did you say he's going? 
Uh, he's not I don't even getting drafted. He even showed up on. Yeah, no. He's okay, not then I on. Half, yeah, uh, I have point. interest in. I have interest in him in PPR as a late dart um, because I only have him ranked two spots behind Sutton. I honestly think he's pretty much as good of a wide receiver in a very different way. They play different roles. But for fantasy and a half PPR, I would pretty much almost want Hamilton as much as Sutton. So if Sutton's getting drafted relatively in the in the mid to late uh, rounds and Deshaun's not going at all, definitely I'll take a look at Deshaun at some point. Yeah, um, that pretty much sums it up. I think if, if Sutton is there late enough, I'll take him. And otherwise, I'm kind of uh, iffy on that whole situation. Do we believe any tight end, including the rookie Noah Fant, uh, will be fantasy relevant this year at all? I think I'll have a week or two uh, here or there where we say, darn it, I wish I would have started him, but it would not have, yeah. you know, the the process would have not told us to start him. So to answer your question, yes, but no. <laughs> yeah, I think that for once the question wasn't, is there a chance? It's, will they actually do it? And the answer yeah. to that is no. Uh, I have Fant ranked as tight end 22. He's only getting 49 targets in my projections, which it doesn't help. This team's not going to throw that much in my projections. Um, he's certainly a guy like Evan Ingram who could be very, very good even as a rookie. And Flacco does like to target his tight ends. So if you would ask me the is there a chance question, I would have said, yeah, this guy could be a top eight tight end out of the blue. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But if you ask me to bet on that, I would say, no, thank you. I will pass not going in on a rookie. Uh, we'd have to see several weeks of excellent production for me to be interested. O Okada, you know I'm a statistician and a data analyst by trade. I have mm. to operate on chances, true, you know, true, percentages. True. That's my entire living, so that's why I like to think that way. But what a nerd. Yeah, I think I think he was at best <laughs> he was at best a best ball target, uh, yeah. and that's really it. Mm. So See what you uh, did we'll there. go ahead and move past that. Let's go on to the first of the twelve and four teams we'll be talking about on this episode: the Los Angeles Chargers. Who, all things considered, well, okay, let's, I guess we'll start with the big news here. Melvin Gordon, uh, do you guys believe he's going to come back and play? By what time? Well, well okay, well, this let's season? start with first by week one, and then if you don't believe by week one, what week will he be back? I do not think he'll be back by week one. Um, I don't know. It would be a shot in the dark to answer when I think he'll be back. I'm going to pull up their schedule really quick while Betts answers the week one question. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely relevant that you bring this up, Kent, because in our listener league, I was on the clock today when this news broke, and I was trying to read into it more, and, and we're doing a slow draft, so the nice thing is I could just kind of research a little bit, take my time. The guy that reported this is a writer for ESPN. He follows the Chargers. And basically what happened is he projected Melvin Gordon to be on the week one roster. You know, cuts are coming up for this team. So they're they're getting ready to project the, the starting roster for the year. And he had Melvin Gordon on the week one roster. But there was literally no explanation as to why or how that is. And mm. we haven't heard anything in terms of contract talks are going well or progressing or there's a new offer. Like we haven't heard anything. So I was like, I still feel very shaky about that. And I passed on him, and Kent, you picked him with the very next pick in the draft. Mm. I was I was secretly hoping he would come back around the turn to me, but he did not. Um, and so for me, I don't think he's he's there week one. When he comes back, it honestly is just at this point when Melvin Gordon feels like he's made his point and the Chargers dig their heels in and say, we're not paying you. And he says, okay, you've made me miss too many game checks. I will be there shortly. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he has to play at least six games this year to get get the effect he wants of of uh going to a different team if he doesn't get a deal is that is that right i, I believe, believe right. so yeah um i did pull up their schedule by the way this is pretty interesting so first five weeks they've got the luckless colts the lions the texans dolphins and broncos that's almost a guaranteed four and one in my book they could even beat the texans without him honestly I think the Chargers are Super Bowl contenders no matter who's in the backfield. Um, but that, but they're at least beating the Dolphins, Broncos, and probably Lions and Colts. So that's it, not good for Melvin Gordon. Mm, 
Interesting. That's a good point. If they yeah. if they lose to one of them, do you think the Chargers cave a little bit? If maybe if throw they another, come out of that three another two, million on top or something, <laughs> it still makes it tough. But after that, they have a kind of tough stretch: Steelers, Titans, Bears, Packers. So that might get a little more rough. They don't play the Chiefs. There are two games against the Chiefs until Week Eleven and Seventeen, which is obviously going to be the yeah. biggest games of the year for them in this division. So sure, I think they hold the cards and. That means that Gordon's not going to get the deal he wants for a while, potentially. And I think that he might be willing to hold out pretty long. So I'm getting really nervous about Gordon. Okay. And if Gordon is out, uh, are we seeing like a split backfield? Is that what you guys think? That's what I think. Um, Pretty split. I wouldn't say 50-50. I think Eckler will get more overall touches. Certainly more work in the passing game. And probably around equal in the in the carry count. So I'm leaning his direction for sure. Uh, but I think Jackson could usurp him from a rushing perspective. It's possible. Yeah, I pulled so up. So it's tough. I pulled up the splits from when they both uh, got starts last season when Gordon was out. And both of these guys were just okay. I mean, actually, I would even say Eckler wasn't great. He was better when Gordon was in there, more as an efficient kind of change of pace back. In his three starts, 12 for 42, 13 for 21, 15 for 66, and a touchdown. So that all comes out to a 3.2 yard per carry average. Justin Jackson only started one regular season game. He went 16 for 58 and a touchdown. So I, I, I think for both guys, if they really are getting more work, I don't know that it's beneficial. So I think a 50-50 timeshare between these guys is really what will help them. But it's, you know, to your point, Kent, you asked, is it going to be 50-50? Everything we've seen so far says Eckler will get more work, but I think a 60-40 or 65-35 split is more likely to happen. Yeah, that I mean that sounds about right. I, I like Eckler more just in general. I think he's a better talent. <clears throat> excuse me, a better talent. Uh, so let's talk about well. Oh, okay, first things first. Uh, Philip Rivers, one of the best values in drafts right now. Free quarterback. Yeah. He's uh, no one feels like appreciating him. He's not going to be, I don't think, a high end quarterback one by any means. But if you wait and wait and wait and wait and you just want a QB one who will be around the 10 to 12 range pretty much every week. Yeah, he's he's the guy. He's got weapons galore. He's an excellent quarterback. You can't really go wrong with him. Yeah, his stats since 2013 are crazy as far as the consistency since 2013 has passed for no less than 4,200 yards, no more than 4,800 yards, no less than 28 touchdowns, no more than 33. So that's pretty much what you're getting every season from Phillip Rivers. It's safe as they come. I love him as an R, uh, excuse me, a QB2 in Superflex leagues because, like you guys said, you can just wait so long. No one respects him in that way, and you can just get him at such a good value. Yeah, um, he's quarterback 14 right now is what I'm seeing on Fantasy Football Calculator, so... Uh, insanely good value. Definitely, if you're gonna like punt, you know, quote unquote punt quarterback, uh, everyone should be doing that. But anyway, in one quarterback leagues, he's he's a great pick there. Uh, Keenan Allen looks like you guys like him for about 1,100, 1,200 yards, maybe six or so touchdowns. Are we gonna see like? Well, I don't know. We've seen a couple different sides of Keenan Allen, so. What side of him do you think you're going to see this year? Um, I think we're going to see the reliable PPR stud route runner side who catches 85 to 95 balls. I have him at 89. Gets a decent amount of yards. Not crazy high, but enough to be in the wide receiver one conversation. But doesn't score enough touchdowns to quite crack the wide receiver one uh, sphere for me. Uh, that's largely due to Mike Williams being there. Um well, which we'll talk about in a second, but he's still very good, very reliable. I would be willing to take him around the second to third round turn uh, as a good PPR or half PPR receiver. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be reliable. I mean, the target share is definitely going to be there. It's just, you know, the upside is, is capped, I think, in terms of touchdowns, like Okada was saying, because of our boy, who we love, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. No, right? Oh, did we Kent, wait? I mean, yes, say, I also did we just like say different Henry. names. Did we? I think we said different names. That was awkward. Oh that my is God. awkward. But what's not awkward is <laughs> I think both are going to be actually pretty good this year. Yes, facts. Let's let's start with Mike Williams. Okada, I'm going to kick it over okay. to you because I think uh, mm -hmm. in our rankings I actually have him higher, but I think 
you've been way more vocal than me that you were just like gaga googly eyes over this guy. Yeah, I I do love Mike Williams. Um, interestingly, in my projections, I have him only at 909 receiving yards, so he's not cracking a thousand and 59 catches. So certainly, he's better in non PPR than full. But even in half, he's a wide receiver two for me on the back of 10 touchdowns in my projections. Is that a high number? Yes, it's it's a very high number. Um, but he can do it. Uh, I'm pretty sure we know that. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as he has. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a dominant, dominant red zone threat. And this team is going to be in the red zone a lot. And if they don't have Melvin Gordon, who's a great red zone weapon as we've seen in recent years, uh, that could even swing things more in, in the favor of Williams, uh, Rivers, and Mr. Hunter Henry. And maybe Keenan a little bit. But yeah, the touchdown upside, the touchdown upside and the yards per reception upside are enough for me to elevate Williams even with a low reception count. Yeah. I, oh, go I was just going to say, you know, the touchdown conversation, I think, is really where this comes down to for Hunter Henry versus Mike Williams or what we should be saying is as a team the two of those guys are going to be great so I I'm in on Hunter Henry this season um and I'm also in on Mike Williams who's my wide receiver 19 I I just think the touchdown count for both of those guys is going to be solid like minimum of seven upwards of like 12 because I went back and looked at kind of what the trend is when Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry were there they combined the two of those guys for 15 touchdowns in 2016, seven in 2017. And then of course, last year, Henry Henry wasn't on the field. Antonio Gates only had two receiving touchdowns. So now there's only going to be one tight end that really, I think is going to be relevant for the chargers. And that of course is Hunter Henry. If you give him a, a solid, like eight touchdowns, how does Mike Williams not get at least eight touchdowns? So that's his floor in my opinion. And, and Okada said, you know, we've seen it. So Certainly the upside is there. I just think Mike Williams is scratching the surface. Very talented player. Seventh overall pick in, in the draft, in the NFL draft. So, yeah, for me, he's he's a guy that I'm very, very willing to invest in at his ADP. Look, I mean, well, first things first. If we're having this argument, this must mean that Phillip Rivers is going to have an excellent year. I'll I mean, tell you pretty what, much that's, I, that's where I, I land on that. Yeah. I, I literally just, while Betts was talking, gave Phillip Rivers a bump in touchdown rate. Yeah, to get to yes. two more passing touchdowns. He's at the 34 now in my projections, which bumps him a spot or two up in my quarterback rankings as well. Yeah, it, I think that honestly is the result. I don't think we have to fight about this. Phillip Rivers is going to be great with the weaponry he has. He has two excellent receivers, a great tight end, and even if he's missing his number one running back, has a couple solid running backs, especially a pass catcher in Eckler. And if Gordon does come back, he's got an elite running back at his side. My, okay, so real quick on Mike Williams, because I do think he has touchdown potential. I don't think he has a lot of like PPR value. No. I don't think he's going to be a great right, like yards after the catch kind of guy, nothing like that. I, I don't think anyone expects that of him. That's so fair. my my only concern will be validity of his of his games and that he'll have big boom games and then like, kind of wishwashy 30 yard games. So that's my only concern with him for for a guy who's going in the 5th round. Yeah. But like I like you were saying, this is all great for Philip Rivers. I love Hunter Henry this year. He's one of my favorite tight end prospects in the last probably 10 years or so. I think he's like a Gronk Jr. I think he has that mm. kind of potential. Maybe not as good as Gronk was cuz obviously he was really really good, but in that same vein and and I I do like him a lot this year. Uh, at his current cost. So uh, I'm in on Hunter Henry a lot. I have him on a lot of teams right now. Um, and Mike Williams, I unfortunately don't. But Keenan Allen, I, I'm all for. Um, let's see. Is there even... Mm, okay, no, we pretty much covered everyone on this team. Do you have any more comments on the Chargers? I have No, there's no more sleepers here. So yeah, bets. that's what I was kind of I have about one, and it actually has to do with sleepers. Or the Ooh, sleeper oh, okay. app. Kent, will you open up your sleeper app, please? Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Make your pick in the in the listener league. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who's it gonna be? <laughs> so for those of you who obviously can't see our draft board, which we'll share, uh, I am currently on the clock in our slow draft. And what do you know? Hunter Henry falls to me at the eight eleven. Who's right behind me? Kent Wyrock. Who needs a tight end? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Kent Wyrock. <laughs> who who is that? Why didn't we record this on a different night? This is ridiculous. sorry, buddy. Uh, Hunter Henry oh, now a part of my goodness. roster. <laughs> Ooh, well, got him. Uh, 
I'm going to instant lock this pick, Curtis Samuel, but we'll talk about oh, him. Nice. Uh, uh, actually, not, never again. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll, I'll wait to make my other pick here because I don't. I haven't put enough thought into it. But I knew I was going to take him yeah, uh, and pick. Hunter Henry, so that was stolen <laughs> from me. Psych. So, all right. Well, with that being said, I think that's pretty good on the Chargers. They're they're pretty rich with fantasy goodness right now. And speaking of fantasy goodness, the Kansas City Chiefs are the last team on this episode. They were also 12-4, and four, um, did some pretty good things. And Pat Mahomes, obviously, a huge breakout season. Uh, let's start with him right away because a lot of people are yelling regression, regression, regression with him. And it's probably going to happen. But where do you think where do you think his baseline is? What do you think like year over year Mahomes is going to be like and and will he will he return to greatness or kind of drop down a little? That's a really good question. I like that version of the question, Kent. Um as long as he's got Andy Reid, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, I don't think his baseline is lower than 4400 yards and 30 three 34 touchdowns somewhere in that range which means mid to high range qb1 every single year and that's his pretty much his floor as long as those guys are there um but obviously he has the upside to be not just the number one quarterback but well above that if we see the kind of repeat that we've never seen yet to this date of his incredible 2018 season so you can't go wrong with Mahomes. It's there's on he's honestly simultaneously one of the safest and highest upside picks. The only problem is currently his his price in drafts. Yeah, that's a pretty big problem. Uh you know, I'm a big proponent of waiting on the quarterback position. He's in the third round. So that's a never for me. I'm just never gonna draft any quarterback in that range. Uh, but, but he does affect the other positions. So, uh, Betts, do you have any comments on Mahomes and what you expect out of him this year? No, I don't think we need to go into it in too much detail. I mean, you guys talked about it. Regression is coming for sure. That doesn't mean he can't still finish as quarterback one. It doesn't mean he can't still have a fantastic season. So I agree with you. I'm out on Mahomes at this point, just because of the draft capital. And we talked about it. He was my player that I brought onto the podcast, talking with Elliot Christ about players to avoid at their ADP. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, so much late round quarterback talk and so many, you know, data points to support it. So I'm out on, on Mahomes for that reason. But like you said, the pieces there we have to talk about because those are guys that I definitely want. So we'll save the battle royale. For oh, the end of this. yes. So <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the wide receivers here. Um, Tyreek Hill, at, you know, the whole thing happened this offseason. We won't get into that, but it uh, sounds like he's going to be playing the entire season. So. Well, I, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. He will be playing the entire season, barring health. Um, so you guys obviously have him projected for another great year. Uh, great deep threat for Mahomes, but also plays well on screens and bubbles and uh, everywhere on the field. He's, he's he's probably the fastest player in the league right now. Um, and yeah, you guys obviously both like him a lot. Do you have any comments about trying to get him on your teams or anything? Um, I'm happy to do it. From a fantasy perspective, at least, we talked about him in the top 10 wide receivers uh, episode earlier this week, and I am a good bit higher than Betts on Hill. Um, yeah, I have him for 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns. He could top either of those numbers pretty easily, uh, and he is a locked-in top five receiver for me. Yeah, I mean, Okada, you just, you know, you said you're so much higher than me. I'm looking at our projections right now, and I think the only thing that really makes you higher in your rankings, like you said, you're, I think, wide receiver four. Is that right? Mm-hmm. He's, that is right. He's my eight. So it, it looks like a big discrepancy. But the only real difference is I've got him for maybe 100 yards less and two touchdowns less. So I'm right there with you. I, I think he's another fantastic option this season. It's just that that top 10 wide receiver core is just so stacked that a small difference in your projections make makes a big difference in your rankings. Most of his regression comes along with the the Patrick Mahomes talk as far as the regression there. So still love him. Don't know that he does what he did last year, but you can't argue with having Tyreek Hill on your roster. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah, uh, I don't have much to say. I think at his cost, he's a great pick. Um, and he's, he's, you know, quote unquote safe, all things considered. So uh, I have no more to add about that. Let, let's go to the secondary receiving option here, Sammy Watkins. I still believe... He has an opportunity to be a real, well, maybe not reliable, but an upside player uh, in this offense. I don't, I don't see too much regression out of Mahomes. I see a little bit, but 
Uh, even so, when when Tyreek Hill and Sammy were both playing last year, uh, the, it was like the first nine weeks before he got banged up and, and sat out week, I think it was 10, and then didn't really play much week 11, if I'm remembering right. Uh, he was a top, I think it was 24 receiver. Uh, 25, excuse me. So he he was playing alongside Tyreek Hill and having fantasy relevance, and he's being drafted pretty late for all things considered here. Do you have any interest in, in Sammy Watkins at his cost? Uh, I don't hate cur- it. Cur- <laughs> currently going in the ninth round. That's pretty good. Who's going around him? Uh, Sterling Shepard and Dante Pettis. Uh, I would take uh, Sammy there, personally. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, especially if he's like my wide receiver four or five at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't have to rely on him too much if he has any injury struggles, which he tends to do. But he certainly has upside if he can stay on the field. Quite a bit of it, actually, especially if Mahomes is going to be what he was last year or anything close to it. Yeah, I think that price is pretty fair. I would go in on him there. If it gets any higher, I probably wouldn't. But I think there's just this thought process around the offense that it's it's Tyreek Hill and it's the running backs, which we'll talk about, and it's Travis Kelsey. And then like people kind of just forget about Sammy Watkins. Like The dude is, is uber talented. It's just a matter of health. If he stays on the field, I think he'll be a value this season. Am I, in, am I personally investing in him in every draft that I go into wanting to get him? No, but if he falls to me, I'll take him. And mostly that's because of my background and understanding the foot injuries and how that is probably likely to recur. So if he stays healthy, he's going to be value. Yeah, he, he's a risky guy. So I, I, you know, I want exposure to his talent, but I don't want to go all in on him. I'm definitely I don't have him on all my rosters this year. So uh, I can get behind that fact. Let's uh, well, real quick. Do you, do you think uh, Miko Hardman's kind of showed out a little bit in preseason? Do you find him to be a sleeper uh, a little bit? <laughs> In best ball, I don't mind it as like a last round pick. In regular redraft, I'm not drafting him. I will watch sure. the waiver wire uh, or keep an eye on him. If if one of the guys in front of him goes down, Sammy or, or Tyreek, certainly he could step up and have some value. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe more of a DFS type of player too this season could be interesting. You know, I think he'll catch a deep bomb every now and then from Mahomes, but certainly not someone I want to rely on in redraft. Yep. Uh, 100% agree with that. Let's go to the tight end position. Travis Kelsey. Comments? Mm, yummy. He is very good <laughs> at football, and you should draft uh, him for your roster. <laughs> yeah, I have way too much Travis Kelsey this year because every draft that I get a pick after basically eight, I get him with my second pick. And if I get 12, sometimes I'm willing to take him with my first pick. Well, I guess that doesn't really matter if I get 12. But you get the point. He is a top-of-the-second-round guy for me. Uh, A tier of his own in the tight end position where you all know I want to get one of these elite guys. And he sets himself apart even from the others uh, who are a tier below him. So it doesn't get any better. I think he's going to be one of the highest just like return value at his position no matter what, every week, give you an advantage over your opponent type of players. Thank you, Travis Kelsey, for being on my team. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a time this offseason where he was like middle of the first round. Like people were just all about him, and, and for good reason. I mean, the positional value you get for if you still have a pure tight end position, which most leagues still do. I think some are switching to wide receiver slash tight end positions, but uh, most still have the tight end spot, and ha- so having Kelsey there uh, is pretty massive. Um, so I'm I I love him. I'm on all, all in on his season. Uh, yeah, early second round is an easy selection for me there. Uh, okay, well, tell you what, let's go talk about the running backs now, and uh, this is probably going to take up about another half hour. So if you're not in for that, uh, strap in, and uh, <laughs> or or we'll see you on the next episode. No, so okay. Damian Williams is projected to be the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you happy? Are you happy I said it? Finally. Is that what you wanted to hear? Jeez, dude. Is that what you wanted to hear? I don't know if you haven't been saying that, to be fair, but (laughs) it does warm my insides a little bit to hear you say it, yes. Okay, so Damian Williams is projected to be the starter this year. Uh, Carlos Hyde sounds like he's on the roster bubble at this point. Uh, Darwin Thompson has showed out pretty well in the preseason, and Darrell Williams has been used uh, actually recently ahead of Hyde so just goes to show you how low Carlos Hyde is tell me before I go on a tirade mm. tell me 
Um, what range of outcomes you could see for Damian Williams this year? Ooh. Well, definitely the RB1 overall leading scorer at the position is in the realm of possibility. Kent is shaking his head so well. No! Kent oh is going to wake okay. up with raging right, neck keep, pain tomorrow it, because of what he just I'll did. I'll keep it calm. Uh, I'll keep it calm. Before you finish your uh, sentence, bets, let me just say that I 100% agree with you and Kent <laughs> oh can suck God. it. <laughs> Continue. Okay. So that's, for me, my ceiling for Williams because of the offense he plays in. The floor, at the same time, is like RB20. Like... It is such a big range of outcomes. Ooh. He's going to have volume and a good offense, so he's he's going to be good for fantasy, but he could just be so inefficient because of what we've seen from him so far in his career outside of last season, which has been mediocre at best in the NFL. He's, he's just a guy. He's the definition of just a guy, and I will firmly believe that until the day he retires from the NFL. But honestly, Kent, if you were the starting running back for the Chiefs, I would draft you in round two. <laughs> So that's really what it comes down to for me. We do know he can play some offensive line. I have been feeling like suiting up recently. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let me answer the question as well before you go on your tirade, Kent. And I will say this. Number one, I agree with Betts that he can be the number one running back overall in this offense. They are undoubtedly one of the top three offenses in the league. And I am heavily, uh, I lean heavily scheme over talent in my projections and in fantasy in general. So the fact that they that he's in this offense elevates him naturally extremely high. Now, on the flip side, I think his baseline or his low end is lower than RB20, which is where Betts put it. I think he could lose his job, theoretically, to Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson if one of them is incredible and Damian Williams does turn out to be the Dolphins' Damian Williams that we had come to know and not love before he showed up on the Chiefs last postseason, basically. However, I don't think that's going to happen because I think Damian Williams is better than average. I think Betts is wrong in this respect, and I believe also Kent. I don't know if you guys watched that touchdown. That was against ones. He caught the ball on a great wheel route and should have been caught by multiple defenders And he put on a burst of acceleration, which is not unexpected, by the way. He has been and always will be very fast. And he shredded (laughs) down the field, owned those defenders, and took that ball 62 yards to the house. That will happen several times in this offense because there is not going to be... Not really, maybe not he's 62 gonna be, yards, he, but... He's going to be covered by a defensive end several times. He was <laughs> covered by Solomon Thomas. There were multiple guys. There he's were a multiple defensive guys lineman. There. Anyone can burn him. Oh, no. my God. It was the easiest burn of all time. No, he made one no, cut no. Past there the were in the safeties back. in Solomon range. Thomas. No, there was one person who was even close to him after he got past the defensive end, and it was an easy run past that. Anyone can make that run once they're at full stride. Anyone. He, no, he was fast, no. but he, he was not accelerated like a fast. boss. I heard people comparing him to Tyreek Hill. Absurd. <laughs> Absolutely okay, I will absurd. Do that. Oh, my but, God. Okay, okay but, but last point, and then you can, then you, can you know, fully go through this. Do we have a small sample size of excellence with Damian Williams? Yes. But we have to look at the difference in the environments that we're comparing him. The Dolphins are awful. They have been awful. And he wasn't given a chance to be the starter, and he was not good. When he showed up in this offense, an incredible offense that is spreads the field like pretty much no other in the league except maybe the Rams, and he was given the starting role, he looked really good. It was not just he put up fantasy points. He looked really good. So I think that he is elevated enough by this offense that has enough base talent to absolutely be an RB1 all right, go ahead, Kent. Okay, so I, d- I don't have a problem with saying he could be an RB1, like in the top 12 running backs. You guys are saying he has RB1, the number one running back upside. Kareem Hunt didn't have RB1 upside. He is way better in elusiveness, tackles evaded, all the advanced metrics than Damian Williams has ever been. And he didn't have running back one upside. He was at best, I think, running back four for a stretch. What? I think that was his best if off the top mm. of my head. He maybe mm-hmm. had some if he maybe had some games where he was the number one on the week, but he was never for a longer period of time better than like running back four. And 
Uh, well, ele- <clears throat> excuse me. Are you? Are we talking about just last season, or are we talking about previous seasons? Because I'm talking uh, about just last season. Mm, I'm talking about what we've seen from Kareem Hunt in the offense. Okay. Which- well, I don't know because we just last year we have the the Mahomes effect, so the offense was very different from when Alex Smith was there. So I'm I'm just using last year. But anyway, on that note, Kareem Hunt was not the running back one. There is zero chance Damian Williams holds a, a match to Kareem Hunt in terms of talent. So there's zero chance he has running back one upside. He has maybe running back five upside because he has pass catching ability in an offense with Pat Mahomes passing the ball. Last year, Mahomes threw an absurd amount of passing touchdowns to the running back position. Like like no one's ever seen before in the history of the NFL. I don't see that happening again. I, you know, we're talking about him regressing a little bit. He's not probably going to be north of 50 touchdowns this year. Uh, That's very reasonable to say. So there's probably going to be some more rushing touchdowns. It could be him, but I am much more willing to take a risk on Darwin Thompson later in the draft, who is, I think a better talent than Damian Williams is and can catch the ball. I made a tweet the other day. I said, Darwin Thompson is Damon Williams, except actually good. Um, If you go back like a year on Twitter, if you go back and search a year ago on Twitter, people were begging, 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 begging for uh, Damian Williams to get taken out of the Miami offense so that Kenyon Drake could play. They thought he was terrible. No one was quoting any kind of stats that supported him. They all hated him. And now because he's in the offense, they want him to be their king. And that it he could be good, but people have gone nuts with this upside crap with him. And I, I can't stand it. And <laughs> really people people have taken me to believe that like I think Hyde is good. I've been saying several times on Twitter, Carlos Hyde could not be good and be a big thorn in the side of the lead running back here. And now that's just gonna be replaced with Darwin Thompson, who has stepped up all, all you know, everyone Saw him play in preseason. He's stepped up and played himself into the second spot. So he's going to be the guy that is now a thorn in the side of Damian Williams. It didn't matter who the second guy was. It's just anyone better than Damian Williams. And hint, it's a lot of running backs. So you think Carlos Hyde is better than Damian Williams, pure talent? No. Well, no. What? Then why would he be a thorn in his side? Because he's going to get rushing touchdowns. He was the guy that was going to take the the he was going to be uh, vulturing the rushing touchdowns from Damian Williams, who wasn't going to get as many passing, excuse me, uh, receiving touchdowns as he did last year. What we've seen from Andy Reid in the past has typically been to rely on one guy and to have a, a jack of all trades, versatile guy back there. Yes. Sure. On purpose so that he can do that. And Damian Williams is that he is for now. Ooh. I have never doubted that he is right now, but. I am saying there is a very non-zero chance that someone else is at the end of the season. So let's let's put a bow on this because we're getting long on this to- on this topic. But I do <laughs> I want to ask one question, and I also want to provide yeah. one stat. Per Scott Barry, I put this out on Twitter. Over the last thirteen seasons, Andy Reid's RB one has averaged nineteen and a half PPR fantasy points per game and twenty point eight opportunities per game. To your point, like you guys were saying, he relies on one back. So. You know, we should we should definitely highlight obviously Damian Williams because he's the guy people are drafting higher. But if he loses his job, like I don't think it can be said enough. Darwin Thompson, if he's the guy, is going to be a league winner at some point this season if Damian Williams loses loses the job. So my argument here is I want one of these guys on my roster because the yeah. upside is immense. Obviously you have to draft a lot more, invest a lot more in the draft capital for Williams, but let's just let our listeners know like Darwin Thompson should be drafted in 100% of leagues. So I want to ask oh, you yeah. guys, given that stat and given those two prices where Darwin Thompson's going way, way later, like double-digit rounds, have you guys been drafting Damian Williams or are you just waiting for Darwin Thompson and hoping that the situation plays out where Thompson ends up being the guy? Okay, so first of all, before anyone answers, and I noticed this, I think either earlier today or yesterday, bets, but Darwin Thompson has been climbing like a maniac. And he's yeah. up to the seventh round right now. What? Yeah. Yeah. After yeah, Kenyon drank ahead of Rashad Penny. Oh. And that's that is a concern. I I don't disagree with that. Um, I think but, 
I like the idea of Darwin Thompson getting Darwin Thompson because even I said before Kent gave his rant that the one way that Damian Williams could not be good is if he loses his job entirely to Darwin Thompson, which is possible. But that is not a price I'm willing to go in on for that because I think he's going to have no. to do a lot. And like I was saying about Hyde months ago when the preseason or before the offseason started, Damian Williams is going to have to suck for Darwin Thompson to take the job from him. And in this offense, I simply don't see a chance that he sucks. So I don't well, think he can lose and, the job. And that's where we disagree, because even though the offense is good, the running back can still suck. Doubtful. Uh, <laughs> doubtful? It is not. It's Look at C.J. Anderson true. in the Rams offense, <laughs> Ken. We've seen it over and over in recent years. The analytics guys, which you are one of, love to harp on the fact that running backs don't matter, especially yes, as a guy that, that eats up space like Damian Williams does in an offense that creates space like this one. I don't give a crap who it is. They can produce. They had to use C.J. Anderson because Gurley was not healthy at of the time. Of course, but look how good there he was. There is a very healthy guy behind Damian Williams, and Damian Williams is a second-round running back at 2.09 yes, on fantasy is. football Yes, The calculator. price is high. That's too pricey, and that's mm. and that's where the concern is. I own shares of Damian Williams. I'll tell you guys this. I, I've got him in, like, the fourth round in some in some of my leagues, like 10-team leagues and stuff. Wow, this I'm is very surprising. That. I am fine with that. Uh, it's it's when you get too high in a 12-team league, that's too much risk for an early pick. That's all I will say I've enjoyed this debate even more than the Juju debate, so yeah, I'm glad we got it. And, you know what? I, and like I said, there's a range of outcomes where he is a, a top-five running back. Yep. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kent's I don't, I don't know how. I don't daggers. know how you could see that. How can you see him being better than Hunt? That's what I don't get. <laughs> Oh, we, it doesn't make we sense. We can't come back into it. We can't come back into it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. All right. Well, let's. Uh, whew, whew, I need a breather. All right. Um, that's oh. gonna do it for the Chiefs and the. Uh, what are we doing? I forgot. The I'm AFC not in the face West right now. AFC oh. West. That was a good one. I knew that was gonna be a, a fun end of the show, oh. but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's it for the AFC West show. Uh, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Richards FF pod. Um, you can find all of our hot takes on there. Like, uh, you know, a running back one being a mm. risky second round guy, I guess that's a hot take. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it for us. <laughs> uh, make sure to catch the next episode. It's going to be the NFC West is the last of the divisional series. And then guess Ooh. what? Football. Football's Ooh, here yes. in like a week, guys. Thank it's a week goodness. from tomorrow when we record this show. So, um, that's exciting, and uh, we're all very excited. So, uh, thanks for listening, and once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod, and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.